Welcome to this series from Resurrection Life Church in Granville, Michigan. And we're going to begin today in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and the title of this message is Coming Out of Egypt. Now, those of you that perhaps have not read the entire Bible, the children of Israel spend 430 years in Egypt, which is a type of the world, and then God brings them out, and he's bringing them to the promised land. Now, by the way, the promised land is not heaven, because when they get to the promised land, there's giants, there's seven nations that are their enemies, there's walled cities, there's iron chariots. How many of you realize when you get to heaven, your enemy will not be there? Amen. You are not going to fight battles in heaven, right? But, but listen, it is a type of a victorious Christian life. And for you and I to live in victory, the way God wants us to live in victory, we have to fight battles as Christians, right? So God's bringing them to the promised land. And uh, on the way, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 talks about this. It says, moreover, brethren, I don't want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. All were baptized into or unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All drank the same spiritual food. All drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. Well, I want to unpack this for you. What happens is Joseph goes to Egypt. He's actually taken as a slave and he becomes prime minister. And as prime minister, he delivers the Egyptians. And all of the the, uh, descendants of Abraham end up there. So Israel is in Egypt. And the Bible says that there arose a king that did not know Joseph. Now, listen, listen. Policy is always created by history. So the king does not know Joseph. Joseph delivered Israel. So what he does is the Bible says he makes them slaves. He doesn't remember the history, how the Israelites delivered them, and so he puts the Israelites in bondage. And when we don't know our history, we always make bad policy, right? And uh, many of you know our history today in our nation is being rewritten. And the result is bad policy. But the Egyptians make them slaves. And the children of Israel begin to cry out to God. And eventually God listens, hears their prayer. And he sends Moses to deliver the Israelites and get them out of Egypt and bring them to the promised land. Most of you have seen the movie, The Ten Commandments. All right. So you know about Charleston Heston, you know what happens, all right? There's 10 plagues. And the last plague is the angel of death comes through Egypt. And what God told them to do was this. He said, now on the 10th day of the month, every family bring a lamb into your house until the 14th day. As the sun sets, kill the lamb, catch the blood. And he says, and they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the house where they eat it. And then this is what God said. He said, when that death angel passes through that night, he said, I will not allow the destroyer to come into your house to strike you wherever he sees the blood. So they were literally protected and delivered by the blood of the lamb. Now, that lamb that died was a type of Jesus. The New Testament tells us that Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. 
And they were delivered by the blood of that lamb that was a type of Jesus. But we're delivered by the blood of Jesus. The Bible tells us that we were redeemed not with corruptible things like silver or gold from the vain lifestyle we received from our fathers, but with the precious blood of Jesus. Revelation 12, 11 says they, that's you, overcome him, that's the devil, by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Now, in the Old Testament, they put the blood on the door of their house with a little shrub called hyssop. In the New Testament, you cover your house with the blood with the hyssop of your tongue. The Bible says we apply the blood by the word of our testimony. We, we confess what the blood of Jesus has purchased for us. So after the death angel passes through, the Egyptians literally chase the Israelites out of Egypt. And the Israelites are on their way to the promised land. Deuteronomy, the first chapter, says that it is an 11-day journey from Horeb to Kadesh Barnea. It's an 11-day journey to get from Egypt to the promised land. How long did it take? 40 years. Now, here's what happened. God got the Israelites out of Egypt, but it took 40 years to get Egypt out of the Israelites. They kept, on, they kept on in doubt, in unbelief, complaining constantly, all right? And so instead of getting where they were supposed to go in a short period of time, they literally wandered in a desert for 40 years. And let me just say this, spiritually, we can wander for a long time and not get where God wants us to go and not receive what God wants us to receive, all right? So God brings them out of Egypt, and he brings them to the edge of the Red Sea. We've got the Red Sea right here today, all right? And the, the Egyptians, they changed their mind. And Pharaoh gets all his army, 600 chariots, and he comes behind them, and they're there to slaughter the Egyptians and bring what's left back as slaves to Egypt. And when the Israelites see this happening, they think, man, this is terrible. And they start crying out, Moses, what in the world have you done? Moses, what are you going to do? And Moses cries out to God. And he says, God, help. Look at we got the enemy behind us. We don't have, any, we don't have an army. We don't have any, any weapons. What are we going to do? Right? Now, every time a problem shows up around here at church, Pastor L, L, wave it, everybody. L tells me the same thing. He says, Pastor, this is not a surprise to God, right? It's not a surprise to God. Now, I don't know what problem you're facing. It might be financial. It might be your relationships are falling apart. It might need be you need to break an addiction. You might have been forsaken, abandoned. No matter where you are today, <clears throat> right now, God is not surprised. God knew that you were going to end up right where you are right now. Now, let me tell you a little, little story. Moses, excuse me, Moses, Abraham is told by God, take your son to Mount Moriah and offer him as a sacrifice. Now, God doesn't want his son, but he wants him to be willing to give his son. So he goes to Mount Moriah, he puts him on the altar and God says, stop. He said, now I know that you love me more than anything, right? 
And he said, because of what you have done, you are willing to give everything and you were obedient. This is literally what God said, because you were obedient, he says, he says, I will bless you because you have obeyed my voice. Now listen, every time you and I are obedient, it brings blessing. Every time we're obedient, it brings blessing, right? And every time we're disobedient, there is a price to disobedience. You may not see the price you're paying today, but whether you see it or not, there is always a price to disobedience. And and I wanna beg you today, if there is an area in your life where you know you're in disobedience to God, repent and get in obedience. When you get in obedience, it always brings blessing. So God said, stop. And Abraham looks in a little ways away in a thicket, he sees a ram and he goes over and he takes the ram and he sacrifices the ram. And then this is what he said. In Hebrew, he said, Jehovah Jireh. How many remember that old song, Jehovah Jireh? And we would say the Lord will provide, right? And that's right, but it's not right. It's not all right. It literally means the God who sees ahead and provides. The God who sees ahead and provides. So God knew exactly what Abraham was going to do. He had that ram waiting. And when he was obedient, he received the provision. No matter where you and I are today, God knows where we are. And God has looked ahead and God has provided for what you and I need. In fact, Literally, Abraham said, in this mount, it will be provided. And by the way, Mount Moriah is where he was. And Mount Moriah is where Jesus was sacrificed. Abraham was willing to give his son. So God gave his son in that same spot. Right? In fact, you come to Israel with us in a few months when we go. And you can go on Mount Moriah and they can show you. You'd have to see through a wall because it's in the Dome of the Rock, but the very spot where Abraham sacrificed his son. And if you could make that wall disappear, the, 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 the wall over to your, to your side disappear, you could look right over and there's Calvary. It's not a quarter mile away, not a quarter mile, there's Calvary. Because Abraham was willing to give his son, God said, I will give my son in that same place for you. Remember, blessing for obedience. Right. So Moses is crying out to God. And this is, I I love this. This is what God said. Why are you crying to me? Literally, why are you praying? God is, this is what God said. Moses, shut up. Now you may be surprised, but there is a time to pray and there is a time to not pray. There's a time to pray, but at some point you've got to act. And so God said, Quit crying, quit praying. Moses, tell the people of Israel to go forward. Right? So God was saying, prayer time's past, time to act. Right? And sometimes we just pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. And we never do anything. But there comes a time when you need to move. Faith is an act. Faith is always an act. The Bible says by faith... Abel gave. By faith, Abraham left. By faith, Noah built. 
Right? What do you see? By faith, Joshua walked around the walls. Right? By faith, you do something. And there comes a point where it's not time to pray. It's time to move. So he says, tell the people to go forward. And he said, Moses, extend your rod. Now, I thought about this yesterday. I, uh, my, Jeannie and I were missionaries for seven years. And I learned to preach in Mexico. Right? And I learned, to preach in, I learned to preach and I learned Spanish at the same time. So that's very dangerous. You may not know this, but when you learn a new language, God in heaven laughs. All right. And and I I meant to say that Moses had extended his rod, his barba, but I said his barba, which is his beard. I said he extended his beard over to sea and God split it, but it really was his rod, right? And not his beard. So he extends it. And this is what the Bible says, that God congealed the sea. And literally, God put a, froze the sea on each side and the children of Israel went through on dry land. Now, I want to just take a moment and, and talk to you about what's happening here, all right? Because what we see right there is what the Bible refers to in 1 Corinthians 12. It talks about nine gifts of the Spirit, right? And one of those is the working of miracles. And when the working of miracles is taking place, the person is active, so what he did is he extended his rod. He did something. When, when uh, Samson is attacked by a lion, it's the working of miracles. The Bible says that he literally, he caught that lion and he tore the lion apart with his bare hands, working of miracles. Now, Daniel is thrown into a lion's den, right? And what did Daniel do? Let me, everybody know? Nothing. He did absolutely nothing. He probably just laid down and went to sleep, right? And he received supernatural protection, right? Now that's the gift of special faith, the gift of faith or special faith. Now, if we had put Samson in the lion's den, we'd have had something totally different take place. In the morning, there would have been lion burgers, very cheap, all right, in, 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 in Babylon, because he would have torn all those lions apart. Now, both are gifts of the Spirit, right? Both would bring protection, all right? But the Bible says that they come as the Spirit wills, all right? For example, when somebody's raised from the dead, that's not normal faith. That's the gift of faith, right? That's the gift of faith. That's special faith, right? But those are some of the, t- of the nine gifts of the Spirit that the Bible talks about. So he says, go ahead and God splits that sea. And the children of Israel begin to go through the sea. Now, I I just want to remind you that God loves a long shot. It's not a long shot, but it it appears to be a long shot, right? The children of Israel, there's 130,000 enemies coming at them. And Gideon calls the army together. He gets 32,000 soldiers. And God tells him, send 31,700 of them home and keep 300 and attack 130,000 enemies. Now, how many of you know that's a long shot, right? But God wanted to get the glory. He figured if if I let you win with 32,000 or 10,000, you're going to think you did it, right? When when, When the three Hebrew children were thrown in the fiery furnace, the king heated it seven times hotter before he threw them in. Well, I tell you, God likes a long shot, right? When Jesus 
knew that Lazarus was sick, he stayed there and made sure not only was Lazarus sick, he was dead for four days before he showed up. You say, why? Because God likes a long shot, all right? And it always comes the same way. It's the same, the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 4, 13, since we have the same, the identical spirit of faith, according to what's written, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we speak. So he extends his rod, the sea opens, right? And the Bible says, this is important, they pass through all night, right? Now, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, there was a cloud that led the way. And it was a cloud at day, but at night it was a pillar of fire, right? And the Bible says that that cloud went back and it got in between the Israelites and the Egyptians. So on the Egyptian side, it was dark. And on the Israel side, it was light. And the Bible says they were all baptized under Moses, right? In the sea and under the cloud. The sea is a type of water baptism. The cloud is a type of spirit baptism. You remember John the Baptist said, Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. They went through all night under a cloud of fire and they were baptized into Moses. Now this is really important because today in the Western church, we tend to think of water baptism as simply a religious ritual, but it is so much more. When the church is born on the day of Pentecost, the people say to Peter, what do we need to do? Listen, this is what he said. He said, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus for the remission of sins. When at Cornelius' house, Peter preaches and the first Gentiles believe, the Bible says he commanded them to be baptized. He commanded them. Now, it wasn't just a ritual. They understood that something supernatural happens at water baptism. In Romans 6, it says, or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We are recognizing as we're water baptized that Jesus' death is our death. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.14, the love of Christ compels us or constrains us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. In God's eye, Jesus did not die on the cross alone. He took you to the cross with him. And when we get water baptized, we are declaring by faith that Jesus was not crucified alone, that he took us to the cross with him. Therefore, we're buried with him through baptism into death. And that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory, by the power of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. It's saying that the same power that raised Christ from the dead. And remember it's in Ephesians 1 that says that when God raised Jesus from the dead, he exerted his mighty power. Do you know when he created the universe, he did not break a sweat. He did not exert himself to create the universe. But when he raised Jesus from the dead, he exerted his mighty power, right? And the Bible tells us that it's that same power that becomes available to us by faith when we're water baptized. Now, here's what Moses said to the children of Israel. He said, these enemies that you see today, he said, you will see them no more again forever. You see, and what we do is we are water baptized. We recognize we're declaring that we died with Christ. 
and that when we come up, just like Jesus was raised from the dead by the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God rests on us and all of the guilt, the shame, the condemnation, the bondage, the addiction, anything that's trying to stay on our life, we leave that by faith in the water and we come up, the Bible says, to live in newness of life by the power of God. Water baptism is not just a ritual. It is a spiritual reality. It is an exit from the world, all right? Now, the Bible tells us they're baptized into Moses in the water and in the cloud. And it says that they all drank of the same spiritual drink. For they all drank of that rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. I want you to listen for like five more minutes and we're gonna baptize a bunch of people. So the children of Israel in the desert, they've come through the Red Sea. They run out of water and they cry out and they say, Moses, what's wrong? We don't have water. What are we going to do? We're going to die. Moses cries out to God and God says, look, there's a rock over there. He says, I want you to go over to that rock. Take the people with you and take your rod. He says, and get to that rock and strike that rock. And when you strike it, it's going to open up. He said, and water is going to come out. There's going to be water for all the people. There's going to be water for all the livestock. There's going to be in abundance. Moses goes over, he hits the rock, it splits, water comes out. They go down the road through the desert. They run out of water again. The people complain. Moses says, God, what do you want me to do? God says, take your rod and go to the rock. And literally the Bible says that rock followed them. God moved it along the way. He says, and when you get to that rock, he says, bring the people. He says, and speak to that rock and say, rock, bring forth life. And he says, when you do, water is gonna come out of that rock again. But Moses is mad. Anybody ever got mad? People complaining and griping and not appreciating and Moses is mad. He goes over to that rock and he says, you bunch of rebels. Do I need to bring water out of this rock? And he takes his staff and he hits the rock. It opens water comes flowing out and God says to Moses he says Moses he said because you disobeyed me he said and I was not sanctified in the eyes of the people he said you will not enter the promised land you're going to die and Joshua's going to bring in the people because you disobeyed now here's why this is significant in the book of Hebrews it tells us again and again that Jesus took his blood in the holy place once for all and obtained an eternal redemption. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many, right? That we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ once for all. It tells us that he did everything that was necessary for everyone that's taking part in the purifying process. Jesus died how many times? Once. And after that, he doesn't suffer. And listen, you don't suffer. Listen, listen to me. You do not suffer to pay for your sins. You understand that? You don't whip yourself to pay for your sins. In fact, the devil always tries to get, you may not know this, but the devil likes to do two things. He likes to get you to do bad things. And then he likes to get you to do good things to pay for the bad things you've done. All right. I remember I was watching a a TV show program a long time ago and uh, the, the, the man brought roses and his wife said, what have you done? 
It's kind of like she figured he had to have done something wrong because he was doing something good, right? And, and the devil, he says, you do something wrong and then, well, then you, you give extra or you pray extra or you fast or you do something to pay for what you've done, all right? But the truth is that Jesus has done everything for everyone. He doesn't suffer again and you don't suffer to pay for your sins because Jesus paid the price 100% for everyone's sin, for everyone, the Bible says, who takes part in that purifying process. And today, because he's obtained an eternal redemption, he doesn't get struck again. You speak, you speak words of life. You speak what God says about your situation and living water flows to you. Thank you for listening to this series. For more information, call 616-534-4923 or visit us at reslife.org.